Welcome back, everybody, to a brand new week of Golding Conversations. I'm your host, David Gold, and we are starting off this week with a banger of an episode because I'm with Hayden Fruling. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. No problem. Let's just jump right into it. What has quarantine been like for Hayden Fruling? So quarantine, I'm a pretty energetic person, so this isn't my my focus of trying to stay busy, I guess what I'd call it. But I'm working out a lot, getting ready for football season. I'm keeping that in the back of my head. And technically, I'm still in season for lacrosse. So I'm going outside every day, and I'm shooting, and I'm getting my agility in. And I've been connecting with a few of the boys to see what we can do. Obviously, we're keeping cautious and doing what's right because we want to get out there for the fall. So we're taking the correct steps to continue to work hard together. I mean, have you heard anything about summer lacrosse by any chance? It's all very confusing. I mean, people are trying to figure out ways to isolate and get tournaments going. I'm trying to stay hopeful and optimistic. And I do believe that by the end of the summer, I'll have some lacrosse going on. But I don't think that I'm necessarily going to have all four tournaments that were planned going into the summer. Were you supposed to play the one in Denver again? No, that was so that was a special event. That was a seven every year they have like a U thirteen national championship. It's called the World Series of Youth Lacrosse. And so I went to that when I was U thirteen. But now there are a few big events that we go to. We go to like the NLF national championship, which is basically it's it's at a different college each year, but it's basically like that, but for each grade. I mean, right now, sitting in your room now, no lacrosse season for Barnum Hills Lacrosse. You have been on that team for a long time and now it's now think about it, this is your program now it's, it's and it's same with football you're, it's our senior year now what's something you're hoping to bring back to Barham Hills when we get back in the fall well right away the one thing I think of is I want to bring a championship to Barham Hills we look back like we've been talking about it I remember we've been talking about let's first of all we've been talking about a state championship since fifth grade yeah, we got to get through the section first. Yeah. So I think my main goal, honestly, I just I th- think we've, since we were freshmen, especially in the football program, we've heard change the culture. Let's change the culture. Let's work hard, like work together. And that mentality has really, I think, stayed within Byram, especially in the football program. And quite honestly, they did it. They changed the culture. And now we're just along for the ride. And a lot of kids and older kids have pointed at our grade and been like, they're going to be the grade to do it. And so, quite honestly, just stay focused. Make sure I think we're going to have an advantage based on – I think we – personally, I'm going to say this. I've said this before. I think we have the best coaching staff in definitely Class B and possibly the section. Mm-hmm. And they've done a great job throughout quarantine to keep us active and learning and working together. So I think no matter what happens, we're going to have a step ahead when we're going into that season. Yeah, I think something that's also a big advantage for us hanging in is that we're going to be starting 11 seniors. I think that's a big advantage for – Guys, maybe if we had a young team trying to still log, still learn the offense, new coach, if we had a new coach trying to learn, but the fact that all 11 of the guys out there on every play have known what they've been doing, most of you guys have been three-year varsity players, I think that's a big advantage for us. But your first ever varsity game, you just got thrown to the Sharks. Jack Henney goes down with an injury. Nick Pika outset. Nick Pika's sick during the week. You get called up for a playoff game. First game starting at quarterback is a playoff game against Spring Valley on the road. What was that experience kind of like about, about that mentality, that next man up mentality and what you kind of took from that? Yeah, so I've been watching all year and I loved it. I was watching some of my best friends out there just bowling out, having a great time. And that 
the week before I'm standing there with Jack Kenny telling him on the sideline, like next week, like you're going to be fine. You're going to kill it. Like these kids, like you're better, you're good enough to beat them. And he was, he, the kid was an amazing athlete and I've learned so much from him and Nick. Like it's unbelievable. And don't forget, I started playing quarterback 10th grade. So not only was it my first ever varsity game, it was my first ever year of playing quarterback. So that week, I really just like that weekend, I, I had no intention of starting. I just figured like, crazy scenario let me just know the playbook like down so I studied it obviously all week and I started to get the hang of it and there were some different ways that varsity ran certain plays so I started to get the hang of that and then Nick wasn't there on Wednesday practice I remember we were practicing in a bubble and I was just like what is going on and so Thursday came around and Carp said to me we're going to start you in that game and so <laughs> especially like we're playing against Spring Valley I, I watched them like the week before we played him the week before yeah so I watched him put a beating on Kenny also that which definitely was a little bit scary but I had faith in Carp I had faith in our line was amazing and quite honestly Carp drew up a great play like a great play call throughout that whole game Maddie took a lot of the load and he played a great game and look it was crazy entrance and I was thankful for it, but I was definitely before the game. I remember looking at their side of the field and just being like, "What have I gotten myself into?" <laughs> but now looking back on that, what's something from that game experience and being thrown to the dogs kind of that you want to that kind of change your mentality in any sport or anything you do in life now? Yeah, so I think that the biggest thing that game showed me is that preparation and Carp says it is. You don't rise to the event, but you fall to the level of your training. And quite honestly, like that week, I prepared so much. And there was just, it also showed me that, like, it really showed me that football can't be a one man sport. Like, they, I went in as a 160 pound, 5'11 quarterback with kids going against me that were 6'3, 220 pounds, running four eights. And our line, like, it showed me how if you come together and you really just fight and fight and fight, it's going to all work out. But I definitely now preparation is a big key to especially what I'm looking forward to bringing to this season. And quite honestly, it gave me a little bit of leadership that I don't think I had at that point yet. It developed my leadership skills because I had to be able to tell my linemen what to do if they messed up. And they could have looked at me and been like, who are you to tell me that? Yeah, I was about to mention that to you, like, you went in there first game ever sophomore as a quarterback. It's your job to control the huddle. And my actual question was going to be, how are you able to kind of go to those guys who have been there, were older than you and kind of try, try to lead them the best you could? Yeah. I think a big thing about it is Kenny was at my side the entire time. He even said, I remember he brought us all together. Not really all of us. He brought a few guys and Bataj was an amazing leader who kind of brought me into alignment and said like, we're here for you. Like, we're your line. So I never really had to tell anyone what to do. If I said, if I saw a mistake and I said it, like, they were 100% all in. Like, you're right, we're going to fix that. And their entire job, I still have a video of it. I got hit, actually, on one play after I, like, I threw it long, and I just got rocketed. Like, I was on the ground. And there's a video of Nick Ferrante just coming up to me, grabbing me by my chest, and just literally picking me up. And I, I knew that entire week that that whole line had my back. And that was why I was so confident going into that game. Yeah, now, one thing I think that's been kind of awesome for you your entire high school career is that your grandpa has been able to be by your side the entire time. I know for me, Coach Lebo has definitely changed my life and my whole experience. What's that kind of been like having a grandpa who can also just coach you 
harder than anyone else possibly could. Yeah, so it's it's amazing. I mean, I he he taught me how to throw football. I remember I was in my yard. Like he, I I remember it. It's a very vivid memory. And quite honestly, like he's just such an affectionate person, and he's so willing to create bonds with young men. And I think I think one of my favorite pieces of having him around is first of all I get to spend an ex- like a tremendous amount of time with him. And obviously I have a very close knit family. So out of everyone, I think that me and him are probably the closest, which I don't know if my cousins would be too happy about that. But I think that seeing the bonds he's created with some of my best friends, like even with you, with Jack, with Matt, like just seeing that, I think that's one of my favorite pieces of it because he, this is what keeps him young. He enjoys it so much and he looks forward to it every day and seeing the smile on his face when we're all out there playing and once kids start joking around with him, once they get comfortable enough, I think that's my favorite part about it. And it's just an amazing thing to have in my life. I mean, he is, he's like, he's literally our Yoda. Just when you need a piece of advice, you go to Lebo and he will just tell you a story for 10 minutes. Even if you've heard it before, you're just, you're waiting to see what he changes just a little bit to motivate you to keep going. I think that's so awesome. Yeah. But for, I know for me with him, it's just been, it's been so cool to kind of just watch how he's become almost like a father to all of us. Cole Pika mentioned it, that to him, Lebo is that grandpa he never had. So what about him do you think made him so special to connect with you, of course, as grandson and grandpa, but with our whole team as that kind of grandfather role to all of us? Well, I think being that he was a coach in Brooklyn and he grew up, he didn't have much when he was growing up. And so especially, I think he just always had this ability to, when he was coaching in the Utrecht, he always had an ability to take a kid who wasn't necessarily disciplined and not just discipline them and not like be so strict about it, but create a relationship with them so that that kid didn't want to walk away from the sport or from him as a coach. And quite honestly, I think, I think Carp has a lot of it too, where Carp is this role model for so many kids and he's so prepared always. And he's always so confident and optimistic that kids look to him the same way as they do to my grandfather. And I think they're both just tremendous men who are so open to that conversation and I'm here for you that it allows kids to really feel comfortable going to them. It's not just, like, I know a lot of people say football coaches form young men, but I think that our like coaching staff really does that. I think Greenberg does it as well. Like they bring kids in and they let them know I'm not just your football coach. I'm a mentor. I'm here for you if, if you ever need me. And I think it allows them to create special bonds. And I really, I, I say this to my grandpa, I joke about it. I think my grandfather likes the Pika brothers more than he likes me. Oh, that's, it's a hundred percent correct. But who doesn't like the Pika brothers? I know. No, but now looking at what's one lesson you've took from your grandpa, not football, off the field? What's one thing you'll take for him and that you'll apply this year as a senior leader? Wow. Um, I think just that mentality that you have to have fun. My grandfather has never put pressure on me when it comes to sports. He's never said to me, you have to do this. You have to do that. You only are going to get looks if you do this. You're not going to be a good player. He always just tells me, enjoy the moment, enjoy what you're doing. He'll tell you, text me, him and my grandmother, before every game, I get a text. Before every tryout, before anything, I get a text, just enjoy it. Like, sit back, relax, enjoy the moment, play hard, play physical, be a leader. But most importantly, just these times aren't going to last forever. And you have to be in the moment. Don't be thinking about the next week. Don't be thinking about the next game. Just embrace it all. And so he's always had such a positive attitude when it comes to that. And I think that something I genuinely have to work on is not looking to the next week or not looking to playoffs, but just enjoying the season and the process going through it. 
yeah, I think sometimes we all we all do. We all get lost in kind of that that drive that is practice a bit where you're on the side field, you're not even you're on the backfield, the side field because there's a, a modified game going on. We're just we're in the pit and you kind of just you kind of just don't enjoy it. It kind of feels more like just slugging through and be like I have to uh, I have to go to practice. I think something that we all try to strive for especially in the beginning of the year and something we all need to work on in life not just football related is that when the go when it gets cold it gets tough out like the the mentality of like I'm here and I'm going to attack the day. Coach talks about t- coach talks about all the time is about attacking the day and not leaving anything out there. And I think something we've all struggled with is facing that man in the mirror. I know I know I have many of times when you sometimes look at that man in the mirror after a tough game, what's something you try to remind yourself? Yeah. So I think that it all comes back to it being a sport. We're not being paid to play. We're playing because we love it. And quite honestly, a big thing of mine is I have put all self excuses out the window. Cause if I'm willing to make excuses, I'm not willing to be as good as I say I want to be. And so I think that it's a mix of playing and understanding that I need to enjoy the game, but also knowing if I'm not willing to put the work in when nobody's watching, I'm not going to be as good or as successful as I hope to be. And as I, the goals I've set for myself, I'm not going to be able to accomplish them. And so for a good example of that is Westlake. I got put into middle linebacker when Ahern got hurt. And after the game, I was so, so upset with myself. And I, was, I, I did not play well, but under the circumstances, I have to be able to look at myself in the mirror and say, you're going to be better next week rather than dwelling on the idea that I had a bad game. And Coach Greenberg really helped me get through that. But I do think that we all need to, as much as we need to keep it in the back of our minds that we didn't have a great game so that it allows us to boost our work ethic for the next week, we have to understand that we have another week. It's not the last moment, and we could always improve on it. Yeah, I think that's something you bounced around everywhere. You played Sam, dog, safety, mailbacker, receiver on offense, QB. So what that about that versatility this year, Kai, taught you not more about the game, but about yourself as a player? Yeah. I mean, I just want to be on the field. It taught me that I'm going to be willing to do whatever it takes to get more time. And quite honestly, it, it like taught me being an athlete, coaches have – like not, not college coaches, but people have told me and said coaches that are other high school coaches have said that versatility is going to help you in the future. And it already does. Like me as a quarterback, I understand the Sam and dog's duties and it's allowing me to know where open spots are going to be on certain plays. And I also think that on, on defense, playing Sam, we always talk about how the safety is to fit off the Sam. They either have to go inside or outside the Sam based on the situation. And playing Sam allowed me to understand that fit a lot more and it uh, helped me to improve at safety. So that was nice. Yeah. I think that was something really interesting this year was watching some of the things you've done bouncing around all over the place. But I want to talk about your relationship with uh, Dominic Pika. I think for you, Dominic kind of taught you so much, not even about the game, but about how to be a leader back there because QB is one of those things where you have to be able to command respect in order to get things done. So what did Dominic Pikachai teach you that you are hoping to take into next year? Yeah. So Dominic was a mentor to me all year. Like I, I always joke. And whenever someone asks me about him, I say, this kid is literally the perfect kid. There is nothing you could hold against that kid. He is the perfect kid. And I think we all know that. 
And he has such a way of being so confident in himself and at the same time, not taking anything for granted. People would joke around, like we'd be on a bus and someone would be like, oh, it's QB1. And he's like, I'm not QB1. I'd be like, Dom, like, what? What are you saying? He's like, I'm, I was QB1 last week. I'm not QB1 until the game starts. And I'd often say to him before games, like, are you ready? And he's like, oh, well, we'll find out after the game if I was ready. And so I think that there's just, he had such a way of being so good and so confident in himself and his preparation whilst not taking anything for granted or overstepping the confident boundary and becoming cocky. And he also, like, I know I was another quarterback, but we, like, I know we spent a crazy amount of time together. He's just such a genuine person. He genuinely cares. He's not just a kid that's trying to be a good kid. He's not just asking you, like, how are you? Because he wants you to ask him back. He cares about every single person. And being able to create that relationship with your teammates, he's going to be able to keep them accountable. And that kid has never once in his life skipped a rep. So he's being a leader, not only vocally and telling us how passionate he is about the game, but he's also showing us. And I think that brought a lot of kids along. Mm -hmm. I think Dom, Dominic Cole, Nick Ferrante, Tommy G, Aaron Falto, those kids, they were here when there were the tough times. They were the first class coach graduated all the way through. I think without them, this program is not in the place it was. But looking back on it, you got in a lot of games garbage time, end of the game, just just getting reps as much as you can. Those are definitely some of the tougher moments because you're, try, you're trying at those points to maybe not run up the score or anything. So what about those, those moments at the end of the game? What do those reps kind of teach you about the game in general and how you want to play in the future? Yeah, so I think that a big part of them is understanding the pace of the game and getting into it and getting into a flow. I think it's difficult going in at the end of the game because Carp talks to me all week about push the pace and I'm excited to be in there finally at quarterback. And after playing all game on defense, I'm finally like, okay, like I get my snap at offense. And so it's definitely difficult to not push the pace and understand that we're trying to kill clock and not to throw the open screen if they've, if we're overmanning them on the side, because if I do then if we drop it, the clock stops. Mm-hmm. So I think it was interesting to try and get into a flow of the game while understanding the scenario. And I think in the future, it's going to be easier because I'll be going in, hopefully, if I win the position at the beginning of the game rather than at the end. Yeah, I think that's something that's been very interesting to watch is how that works. But right now at home, what's it kind of been like having your entire family back? I know you and your sister are very close. So that's kind of been like having her back early from college. Yeah, so it's it's amazing. I mean, it's it's I am very close to my family and we've been doing a lot to stay busy. We've been taking family walks. I'll play lacrosse with my sister, I'll throw around the football with my sister. Um my brother's out a lot because he's actually an EMT, so he's working a lot, which we're all thankful for. But it definitely can get a little hectic. Me and my sister are both pretty big personalities, so we clash heads sometimes. But the majority of the time we're enjoying it and we're doing a lot as a family. We did, we've completed three puzzles. Me, my sister, and my dad are all binging the money heist uh, on Netflix. So we're all watching that together. And quite honestly, like, I'm, I'm a huge mama's boy. So I am spending a lot of time with my mom, just like everything. Like I also don't have my license yet. So my mom will say, Who I was about to, to talk dinner? to you. I was about to talk to you about your moped use, but go yeah. ahead first. We'll get to that. So my mom would be like, who wants to go pick up dinner? I'm like, mom, like, let's go. Like, we'll take a ride together. And it's been really nice. Um, it's definitely getting a little repetitive, but 
I'm going to continue to just try and spend time with my family and excel in the athletic and academic states. So we'll see. Yeah. How have you found the ability to not go stir crazy? I know we're about to hit 10 weeks of quarantine, kind of in this lockdown phase now. So with social distancing and mask, it's not like a, a bunch of guys can get together and get going anything athletically really. So how have you guys tried to be, try have to prevent going stir crazy? Yeah, so I actually been trying to change up my schedule, like week to week, not really change it up, but like many things. So I actually am doing something this week, which probably the opposite of what most people would think when they're trying not to go crazy. I deleted all social media for the week. And I just kind of was, I was curious. I wanted to see how it would go. So I tried to change it up a bit. And I have noticed that I'm way more productive, like, and you can get thrown off so easily. And I'm not saying I'm definitely going to go back to it. That's not what I'm saying. But I think the usage of it is going to be very different. I'm not just going to be constantly on it. And I also think that it showed me that it's kind of nice to just be able to put my phone aside and not be getting any notifications and just go outside and just literally just lay out there. It's just, it's really nice. And I'm, I think now that it's getting nicer out, it's going to be a little bit easier. Like we just ordered, we don't have a pool at our house. So we just ordered like three big kiddie pools, I guess. So like advanced kiddie pools. And you I got a big blow up pool. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited to just lounge in it. Just let it work out and then go out in the pool and just lay there. Yeah. I started to at four o'clock, four thirty every day, just close my computer and go for a walk. Just throw my headphones in and just get moving because I found that if we sit, if I sit all day, I just don't feel good about myself. I don't feel motivated to really get anything done. So I think it's all about kind of finding some things that will keep you going at points. Yeah, and it's difficult because you are you can get lazy, and then you get that like we I, it might be at the wrong time, but you get like that weird motivation, like it just hits you, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you like it's like eight thirty at night, and you're like, oh, I just want to go for a run, but you can't, so then you like go work out. You why do you think I started a podcast? Exactly, exactly. All right, you don't have your license yet, but for everyone who doesn't know, you may have seen Hayden Fruling on a scooter around town. <laughs> I would like to know about said scooter. All right. So my dad actually told me the story the other day of how we got it. And he was at a charity event and there was a vacation to like Prague or there was like, there were a bunch of biddings. And my, my dad was like, this is a really cheap vacation. So he said to my mom, like, can we like bid on it? And she was like, no, like I'm not bidding. I'm not bidding on a vacation. And so she was like, I don't want to go. And so my dad was like, fine. Like if you don't want to bid on the vacation, I'm going to bid on that like Vespa scooter. And so she was like, okay, like she like got like a little annoyed. And she's like, okay, like do what you want. Like go for it. Like you're being stupid. So my dad did it, like not expecting to be the one to win it. Like he didn't think anyone else was going to, he thought other people would bid on it. And it turns out at the end of the night, nobody else bid on it. So it, I think he said we got it in 2010 and then we, we used it maybe like twice. It's just been sitting in our yard. And then this year, my brother took it down to the fire department and they like fixed it up. One of his friends. And then quarantine came around and I figured why not take it for a ride and see if it worked. So I actually took it. I met Daniel at Lombardi and we were just like just social distance hanging out and I go to start it up and it didn't start up. So oh, that was awesome. Yeah. So I was sitting there and then after like two hours, like an hour and a half, we went back and started up. But then I went to see Steven at Lombardi again and it didn't start up. And this time it wasn't starting up. Like it just wasn't starting up. So I walked it all the way through like through the Crittenden yard, um, all the way through the like park trail to uh, the gas station where it just, as soon as I got there, I kid you not, 
my dad said, let's take one more try at starting it up before we put it away. I started it up and it started. And then we got it fixed. Like my dad brought it to like a specialized scooter and motorcycle place and they fixed it up for us. So it's not the most reliable, but it works. It gets me places. It's quite entertaining to watch, to see you just scootering around town. But let's just focus on some of the final things I want to ask you now. Senior year is upon us. Two seasons left. You got football last season ended not the way we wanted to, but a lot of good came from it. Lacrosse, you didn't even get a season. You got two seasons left. What's something you want to do in each of those seasons, non-championship-wise? like All right. So in football, I just want to be a leader. I want to really bring guys along. I want to – I think that there's something about the football camaraderie within our grade and the grades below us that I'm just looking forward to embracing the moment and just really going through the season and enjoying it. And that's also the same time we're going to be mentors. We're starting the year as a mentor and on the football team. So I think that fall is going to be really enjoyable. And I think that it's going to be a time where we're going to be able to work hard, play hard, and then also be able to sit back with our teammates in the locker room on a Sunday morning after a game and just hang out and just enjoy it and get ready for the next week. And just, I think it's so much hard work that goes into that one night. And I don't think people understand that with that hard work all week, we're, like there's so many inside jokes and just funny events that occur throughout doubles and then the regular season that just come along with us. And I want to try and as long as, as long as like I can bring guys along with me to work as hard as they possibly can. And I can be a vocal leader and lead by example. I want to be able to remember those memories, really be able to tell my kids the, the stories in 20 years. And I think with lacrosse, I mean, I, I want to, I'm not really sure exactly what I want to play in college. I think that, it's probably around like 50-50-ish, but I think with lacrosse, it's going to be hopefully a big recruiting year. And so I, I want to – we lost in the section championship as well for lacrosse my sophomore Oh, I year. do remember that, you guys. Yeah, so I'm 0 for 2 in section championships. But, yeah, I know, it's tough. It's not the best. But I think lacrosse, we're trying to build a culture there. I talked to the Coach Johnson and Coach Blaine a lot about it, actually. And we want to model it off the football culture. And it's really difficult to start a culture. And it's difficult for me because I wasn't around when the football culture started. Like, we, we were in eighth grade when it really launched. So as, long, as much as I've seen it, I don't necessarily know, especially in the time right now, it's not ideal. So I don't know how we could start that culture change without being on a field and actually, like, putting things into place, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that's some of the most impressive stuff that Mike Agliardi, Luke Simon, Joe Sacklin-Benny, Brett Stafford, John, a John Adio. John Adio was that the definition of a shut up and do your job kid. He was just there and he worked. You know who I think we have that is that kid? Who? I think that this kid runs harder than anyone I've ever seen run, and that's Jack Tillinger. Shut up and do your job. That's yeah, he is you played his shoulder kept popping out every game and he still he's showed one, up and went out there and the played for us. Kids I know. Yeah. We he have a the look, we have a bunch of those kids. We have Jack, Ryan, I think Alex, Alex Tyler Tyler Marcus showed up huge for us this year. And look, we might be some of the kids are undersized and they mm -hmm. still were like re, they really just lower their shoulder. But I I think we have a pretty heavy backfield. We do. If you look at it we got five guys who can all play ball back there. Yeah. And that's something when we got here, we didn't have. So I, I think, think that's something we've. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we, Michael Rocco, Gavin Javorski, 
We got some ballers back there. But Hayden, senior Hayden Fruling now, walking in the building, sees down the 200 hallway, freshman Hayden Fruling. What is senior Hayden Fruling telling freshman Hayden Fruling? Wow. I think that the main thing I would say in the first two years, especially throughout my freshman and sophomore years, just don't care as much about what people think. I think I've gotten to the point now where I'm confident in myself and like, honestly, I try and be a nice person and I'm going to do whatever I can to help someone out. But if someone just doesn't like me straight up, like they're just right away, I'm just not someone they like. I'm not going to try and change who I am for them. And I think that that's something I definitely struggled with throughout the first two years of high school where I didn't have that confidence in myself necessarily to just be myself and enjoy who I am and say, if you don't like me, you don't like me. And so if I could look back and change that right now, I would just say, be more confident. I still am a shy kid. Like I'm not necessarily shy with my friends, but if I'm in the hallway and there's a group of kids that I'm not necessarily so close with, I'm definitely a little bit quiet. So I'm still working on it just to be more confident and not care and just be who I am. But it definitely is, easier said than done. So I think that I would just say to myself, be you and be proud of who you are. I think that's what we're, we all kind of struggled with younger. I think that whole kind of like be that kid who everyone wants you to be kind of thing and not be the kid you are is definitely something we've all struggled with before. I think we're in a difficult environment when it comes to our town. And I think that there's a lot of judgment that goes around, but especially as a mentor, I think one thing I'm going to try and instill in my classroom is that you got to be proud of who you are. That was great because that was the next question I was going to ask you. So you answered that one for me. All right. So then I'll ask you the final question. Same final question I ask everyone on this podcast. If today, if today was your last day on earth, what's one thing you want the world to know about Hayden Fruin that they don't know already? Wow. Every time. What's the last thing? What's one thing you want everyone to know about you that they don't know? And not like a fun fact. Like something, a legacy? Like if I had yeah. a legacy. What, what would your legacy, what would you hope your legacy to be? Someone that did not live by the defined social norms of high school. I really hope that like people in our high school don't look at me and they're like, oh, he's just that football lacrosse kid that's not – he's a jock and he doesn't work hard in school and all he cares about is sports. Because I'm a – like I think a lot of people that are close to me understand this. I'm a really sensitive kid. And I'm sensitive to my own problems. I'm sensitive to other people's problems. And I can't really live with someone being mad at me, especially if it's someone that I'm close with. So, like, even my mom, my mom will, she does it on purpose at this point. Like, if I do the smallest thing to upset her, she'll continuously act like she's mad at me. And I just continuously apologize because I just can't have someone else be mad at me. And so I think that I would want people to understand that you don't, like, I know I'm going a little off topic here, but I don't listen to the same music as everyone else. I just don't like go along with, oh, this like little Uzi Vert like is coming out with an album this week. You have to listen to it because I'm not going to try and be who you want me to well, be. Well, that music is trash. I know, but I'm saying like, I don't listen to the, that mu- music. I don't necessarily love all the movies that other people love. And I'm going to do what I love while still being there and being accepting of who you are. And I don't want people to like, I'm, I, I cry at some movies. Like there are movies that get really get to me. And I think if someone were to look at me, look, I'm 6'2", I'm, I play quarterback and strong safety for the football team. I don't think people are going to say, oh, he cries at sad movies. So I think I want people to understand that I'm not just like the 
like typical jock football and lacrosse player. I really, there's a lot more to me. Well, that's all we have to it. So thank you once again for coming on today. And I'm excited to get back out there with you. We'll get back there soon. Yeah, of course. Going to get to work. Thank you for having me. Thank you.